You know, we're very blessed to have Jason in our praise team, are we not? They do an excellent job every week. If you have your Bibles, we're back in Romans chapter 12. You didn't know there could be so many sermons out of one chapter in the Bible, right? Romans chapter 12. As you're looking for Romans chapter 12, uh, there was a revival service that happened uh, in a small East Texas town. And after the revival service, the, the evangelist, uh, he, he came down to the front and he said, if anybody would like to have prayer, I'd love to pray with you after the service. And so he's standing in front and he's got a line of people lined up. Well, he notices this really large man about middle ways down. And when this large man made his way up to the evangelist, he said, Reverend, I need you to pray for my hearing. And so immediately the, the minister took his hands and put them on each side of that man's head. And he prayed very loudly and very strongly and very fervently for that man's hearing. And when he was done, uh, he looked the man right in the eye and he goes, how's your hearing now? And he goes, well, pastor, I don't know. It's next Wednesday at the courthouse. In our study of a portrait of a healthy Christian, we've been walking through Romans chapter 12, and we're back here, and this morning I want us to look at just one verse in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And I want us to focus on those last four words right there, be constant in prayer. What does Paul mean when he says be constant in prayer? Well, I want you to notice, first of all, that this is not the first time that he's written this to in his letters. If you go through, Paul has written 13 of the New Testament books. And I went through and I looked up all of the prayers of Paul this last week. And when I was reading all of the different prayers of Paul, I noticed that it's 16 times... 16 out of 13 books, out of actually nine books of the 13 that he's written, 16 times he talked about being constant in prayer. In Romans chapter 1 verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. In Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, he says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2, he says, we, we give thanks to God, listen to this, always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And that's just a few of the times. Out of the 16 times, he says that he is constantly praying for the churches. And I wonder what he really means by that. When he says to pray without ceasing, to constantly pray and I know what happens when the preacher gets up and starts talking about prayer. A lot of times our heart sinks, does it not? 
because we feel like that we don't pray enough. I'm not going to ask anybody to show your hands, but I imagine if we took a poll, most of us in this room would say, I don't feel like I pray enough, or I don't feel like I pray long enough, or I don't pray for the right things. I don't know. But we all have this kind of inferior complex when it comes to our prayer life. And so this morning, as we talk about praying constantly, praying without ceasing, how do we do that? And you know, even in our scheduled prayer times, now I don't know about you, but you know, especially as a pastor, every Wednesday night uh, during Awana time, we, we take a break for the summer, but we have a prayer meeting. We have a scheduled prayer time. And I would imagine you as individuals have a scheduled prayer time. And a lot of times in our prayer time, especially in our prayer meeting, we spend more time on their prayer request than we do actually praying. Can you get that? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? But that's exactly what happens. And if you can relate to this, and if you understand what I'm talking about, if you feel like your prayer life needs a little jolt, a little boost, then I want to encourage you to learn to pray like Paul is teaching us to pray, to pray without ceasing, to constantly be in prayer. So I want to encourage you. I want you to understand that prayer doesn't just mean that you're kneeling in your prayer closet. Prayer is not just when you're laying flat on your, on your face in your room praying to God. Prayer is not just standing with your arms lifted high praying. That you can pray anywhere and any time. There are times, though, when we need to kneel before God. There are times when we need to get on our face before God. There are times when we need to stand with our hands raised when we're in conversation with our Lord. But most of the time, that's not the norm. Most of the time, the norm is we can say a prayer whenever and wherever we are. When scripture tells us to be constant in prayer, it doesn't mean we should be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, when, when he tells us to pray without ceasing, that's what I immediately think about. Well, I got to pray 24 hours. Well, he's never mentioned that at all. What scripture means is that as I'm thinking about other things, doing other things, working on other things, my heart is in a state of God awareness that can easily move into prayer throughout the day. That's what it means to pray without ceasing, to be in constant prayer. I've read the Bible several times from cover to cover, and nowhere in the Bible has I found, have I found a place that says that we have to pray big, long, fancy, drawn-out prayers, have you? It's not in there. It teaches us, it, it exhorts us to pray, but never does it say that you have to pray these big, long prayers. I think about um, Nehemiah and King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah had learned that, that listen, Jerusalem was in bad shape. And he's called in front of the king. He's the cupbearer. He's in with the king all of the time. And the king says, hey, what's wrong, Nehemiah? Tell me what's going on. Tell, tell me uh, how I can help you. Now, this was unusual because the king held the life of Nehemiah in his hand. And he says, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? And it says in, in Nehemiah, says, Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now here he is standing before the king. 
He didn't say, hey, just a minute, King, I need to go over my prayer closet and pray about this before I answer you. He didn't say, oh, just a minute, King, I, let me kneel right here in front of you while I pray. You know what he did? I would imagine what he did is said, God, I need your help. And then he answered the king. Those are probably the most normal prayers that we pray on a daily basis. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. Let me, let me give you a better example of that. Um, how many of you have your cell phone with you? Hold it up. I want to see your cell phone. Everybody. I usually do not carry my cell phone. I'll be honest. I usually do not carry it into the worship service, but I did this morning for this illustration. If you look around you, most of us have our cell phones up, don't we? We, we have our cell phones with us probably 24-7, do we not? I know that uh, when I go to bed at night, I plug my cell phone in, I put it on the nightstand, and all I have to do is roll over and I can reach it. Anybody else do that? I mean, it's right there. It is my alarm. After all, I need to be able to reach it uh, to, to turn off the alarm so I can snooze for another 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or however long that goes. But, but we have our cell phone with us all the time. And many of us, and I would say, especially over here in this little section right there, I, I bet you're on your cell phone a lot, aren't you? Uh, I, I would imagine that, that you might even say that you're constantly on your cell phone. And when you think about being on your cell phone, it, you, it's probably not at great lengths of time at a time. I mean... We pick it up when, the, when it dings and tells you that you have a text message. Or, or maybe we look on our social media page for a few seconds at a time. Or if you're Connie, she can sit in her easy chair and have the TV on and just do this for hours at a time. I have no idea what the, the lure of Facebook is, but that's what she does for hours at a time. And maybe that's you. But for most of us with our cell phones, we have it in our hands for a lot of little stuff. We check our email, we send or receive a text message, we maybe glance at social media, maybe we listen to a, 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 a video or we look at the weather app or whatever it is. It's just for a few seconds at a time, but it's always in our hands, isn't it? Or somewhere nearby. We always have it there. Did you know that the number of monthly text messages sent in the last 10 years has increased by 7,800%. That's 7,800% in the last 10 years, text messages has increased. And that number does not include app-to-app -app messaging. That's just on your cellular phone. In 2017, there were over 22 billion, with a B, text sent every single day. That is 15,220,700 text messages sent every minute. That's a lot, isn't it? And that's worldwide, of course. And did you know that the average number of text messages that you and I send or receive in a day is 52? That's the average number, 52. And if you're awake for a 16-hour day, that's assuming that you get eight hours of sleep every night. If you're awake 16 hours a day, that means that you are on your cell phone just looking at text messages every 18 to 20 minutes. That's pretty constant. And 
If you are, are young people, I didn't look for teenagers, but if you're from the age of 18 to 24, you're, you're looking at a text, you're either sending or receiving a text message every six and a half minutes. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, that's probably not healthy for us. <laughs> I, I, listen, there are people today that can't have a conversation face to face. They, they sit at the table together and they talk to each other, right? I'm not gonna point, I'm not gonna look over there, I, I, but it's true, right? We can't even have, so it's probably an unhealthy thing that we are so constantly on our cell phone. But if we turned it over to prayer, it's probably a pretty healthy thing if we were doing that on a daily basis in our prayer life, right? And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. He, he says, listen, I want you to do other things. You live your life, you drive to work, you get up, you put your makeup on, you go have your, do your hobbies, you do all of those things that you have to do. But in those little meantime, in those little moments, I want you to just remember me. Pray without ceasing. Be in constant prayer. Check in with me every once in a while. And there's sometimes when you check in, you say, hey, God, thank you that I didn't get that red light. Or even better, that that policeman didn't pull me over yesterday coming home from Longview. I'm just speaking from experience here. <laughs> but there's also times during the day where we need to, to, to say, God, thank you. And, and, and we have a real conversation with him and talk to him. As we are constant in prayer, God provides resources to rejoice in hope and be patient in tribulation. So the word constant, it doesn't mean that we walk around mumbling all day. I've seen people do this. Now, it's probably not because they're praying to God, but you've probably seen people and they just, they, they mumble under their breath all the time. See, this is not what God's talking about. He's not talking about that we walk around like some zombie with our eyes rolled back in our head and we're constantly under our breath praying a prayer. It means persistent in prayer. That's what it means to be constant. It means to be persistent. It means to persevere in prayer. It means to be devoted in prayer. It means to have habitual prayer. It's just the opposite of random or occasional or spir uh, sporadic or intermittent or uh, some, sometimes prayer life. It's just the opposite of that. And, and which set of adjectives describe you? Constant, um, persistent, persevering, or random or sporadic or occasional? When it comes to your prayer life, which of those words describe your prayer life? God wants us to make prayer a regular, recurring, disciple, a disciplined part of our lives. We need to treat prayer the way that we treat our cell phone, don't we? Um, let me give you another illustration about your cell phone. Did you know that the average person spends three hours and 43 minutes a day on their cell phone? That's a lot. Three hours and 43 minutes. And if you're talking about non-work hours, 
Now, some of us, we have to work. I'm, I'm in front of a screen all day long because that's where all of my books are. That's where I write my sermons. That's where my life is, is in front of that screen. If you take me out of my office and you just talk about the average person, the average person's screen time just here in the United States is seven hours a day. Can you imagine? Between our cell phone, which is three hours and 43 minutes, and our TV and our computer and our iPad, over seven hours a day. Now, if you were dropped in from outer space, maybe you've been living on the moon for the last 50 years, and you came back to Earth, right? And you saw everybody on their house obsessed how constantly we are on our phones and with our screens. You know what I would think? I bet they think, man, those must be their gods because they're so often on that phone. You can't even, how many of you take your phone in the bathroom with, don't answer that, Never mind. <laughs> but we have made it our God. Being constant in prayer is something I have been really trying to do over the last probably 12 to 14 months. I've been working on this. This sermon series and this particular message in this series has been over a year in the making because I wanted to practice before I could preach it. And let me tell you, it's hard. But one of the things that I've been doing for almost a year now, it, it, it's in, to be constant in prayer, it, it's, I need to be held accountable. How about you? You know, it's easy when nobody knows what you're doing. And here's how I chose to hold myself accountable. I didn't ask anybody to hold me accountable. What I began doing with a small group of men is at least on a weekly basis, I would write out, I would pray for them in a text message and then I would send it to them. And so at least once a week for almost a whole year, these men would get a prayer through their text messages. And I did this on purpose, not to get the credit for praying for these men, not to get a pat on the back. I did it because my hope was if I did this regularly enough, constantly enough, if I did it on a basis where they got used to seeing it, if I ever stopped doing it, they would tell me about it. And guess what they did? And it was a way of holding myself accountable throughout the year. And, and I did go, there were some, I missed a whole four weeks one time. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was burned out. I was, uh, it, it was in a time where just a lot of stuff happening. And in those few minutes that it takes me to, to type out, actually I use talk to text, so it's not that hard, right? But in those few minutes to do that, I, I, for four weeks, I didn't, and you know what? I had one of these men call me and he goes, is everything okay? I haven't heard from you. I miss your prayers. So the first thing that I would do, if you want to know what it means to be constantly in prayer, and if you want to practice prayer without ceasing, find someone to hold you accountable. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, Maybe it's your pastor, but find someone or somehow to hold yourself accountable. Number two, we need to have a spirit of dependence. 
after all, we depend on God for everything, do we not? We ought to depend on him for everything we do because he is the one that does everything for us. And especially in our prayer life, we need to be dependent on him in our prayer life. Having dependence on God is the very spirit and essence of prayer, is it not? When we come to God, we are saying to God, I depend on you. I need you. And here are the areas where I need you. Now, some of our prayer is thanksgiving. Some of our prayer is praise. Some of our prayer is worship. And our prayer should include all of those things. But we also need to learn that we depend on him. Listen, the worst thing you can do in any situation, it goes, oh, well, I guess I need to pray about it. I've done everything else. No, the first thing we need to do in everything is go to him in prayer. We depend on him for every aspect of our lives. We trust him in our salvation. We trust him for wisdom. We trust him for our strength. We trust him for direction. And how do we find our wisdom, our strength, our direction? It is through prayer. We need to depend on him. We depend on God all the time for everything, whether we live that way or not, or whether we believe it or not. It is the truth. God gives us the faith we need in those times that are hard. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three guys? Those three guys, they would not worship. They couldn't sway the will of the king. They couldn't stop the flames of the fiery furnace. But they knew they could not bow down and worship a false god. So what did they do? They depended on God. Whatever happens, I love that phrase, whatever happens, happens, but we will not deny our God. We will worship him and him alone. So even when we're not speaking consciously to God, there is this deep abiding dependence on him that is woven into our faith. When you pray, you demonstrate your dependence on God. Number three, pray frequently and repeatedly about the things in your life. Now, I'm sure this is what most of us think of when we hear that phrase, pray without ceasing or be in constant prayer. We think, okay, well, I gotta pray all the time. We do, we do need to have regular prayer time. You remember, excuse me, you remember the parable Jesus told his, uh, his disciples in Luke chapter 18? It said, and Luke writes in, in verse one, he says, and he, that's Jesus, told them a parable to effect, to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. And if you know the rest of the parable, this, this widow lady, she kept going to this mean judge and this mean judge kept shooing her away. And finally, she just kept going and the mean judge says, okay, what do you want? I'll give it to you. In verse five, it says, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Now the point is, and I'm, this is my passage for next week. So I will clarify some of this next week. But the whole point of this passage is that Jesus is making it very clear that effective prayer requires tenacity and faithfulness. Number four, the fourth aspect of continual prayer is staying steadfast. It it means to endure patiently. 
A steadfast person is one who is reliable, who is faithful, who is true to the very end. It means to be firm and unwavering in our request to our God. In James chapter one, verse six, he writes, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. See, a steadfast person has great faith. A steadfast person does not doubt. A steadfast person isn't double-minded. They are a stable person. A steadfast person doesn't think, well, I've prayed about it. God hasn't answered my prayer. I've been praying about it for a whole two weeks now. I guess prayer doesn't work. That is not what is meant by being a steadfast person. A steadfast person leans into God all of the time, calls on God repeatedly and often, never giving up, always going to the Lord with their prayer requests, always looking and depending on him for help. And lastly, a healthy Christian has a disciplined prayer life. A disciplined prayer life. By no means do I want you to leave here and say, oh man, here's what I got from the sermon today. Brother David said, all I got to do is say, hey, help me God, time to time. And that's enough for my prayer life. That's not what I mean. It's not. We need to have these short, succinct, quick prayers in our lives. And we need to go to God every time our heart tells us to go to God. But we need to schedule some prayer time, some regular disciplined prayer time in our lives. Did you know that? We need to have that time in our lives where we go to him in prayer on a regular time. Who's our best example? And that's Jesus himself, right? I, I think back to, to Jesus. He's had a busy day. He, he healed a demon-possessed person. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then there at his mother-in-law's house, people just poured in. I mean, dozens upon dozens of people that were healed and were saved from demon possession. And he was exhausted and tired. All of this happened in Capernaum. It's Peter's hometown. That next morning when Peter and the the boys get up, they go looking for Jesus. He's nowhere to be found. So him and the the other guys, they, they, they comb the streets of Capernaum and they can't find Jesus. So they go out in the woods and and guess what? They find Jesus out in the woods all by himself. And in Mark chapter one, uh, it says, hey, listen, everyone is looking for you. So where was Jesus? He was alone and he was in prayer. Why couldn't they find him? Well, it says in verse 35 in Mark chapter one, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. I bet Jesus did that every single day of his life. He had that scheduled prayer time to be alone with his father. Jesus put a great importance on scheduled prayer. Not only did Jesus, though, pray in the morning, you think, okay, well, I can do that. I can pray in the morning. Oh, listen, we learned that he also prayed in the evening in Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. It says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone. Morning and evening, Jesus was in prayer. And if you know anything about the Jewish faith, you would know that although we don't see it on a consistent basis, every good Jew would pray not only in the morning and not only in the evening, but at noontime as well. Did you know that? And I would imagine that Jesus also prayed at noontime every day. Uh, in his book, Day by Day, These Things We Pray, by Arthur Bors, he writes, People familiar with the Gospels and the book of Acts know that sometimes there are intriguing references to the third, sixth, and ninth hours. Without clocks, people divided daytime into 12 hours. The third hour was approximately three hours after sunlight. The sixth hour was around noon, and the ninth hour was associated with three hours after noon. These hours were announced publicly and were a convenient opportunity to gather to pray. In Scripture, these are the only times specifically and repeatedly associated with prayer. They were the moments every day when the Jews prayed. And Jesus was a good Jew, was he not? And every day, I can imagine, in the morning, at noontime, and in the evening, he prayed. We see this demonstrated in Daniel's life, don't we? You remember what's going on? King Darius is now in charge. And what King Darius did is he placed 120 of these managers throughout his city or throughout his kingdom. And over these 120 managers, he set three administrators, three guys that were over the 120. Well, the Bible tells us that Daniel so outformed the other guys that King Darius was going to make him the chief administrator. He was going to be the top dog when it comes to all of these managers. And guess what? These managers and these other administrators, they didn't like it one bit. And so they tried everything in their power to find something to go against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything. So they decided, well, we know there was one thing that Daniel does and he is, he honors his God in everything. And so what we'll do is we will go to King Darius and say, hey, good king, for the next 30 days, everybody that prays, they can't pray to any other deity. They can't pray to any other God, only you. Well, Darius thinks that's a grand idea, so he signs it into law. And guess what? These 120 managers and these three or two other administrators, what do they do? They go immediately to Daniel's house. And Daniel does what Daniel does every single day of his life in the morning and in the afternoon and in, uh, in the uh, noontime and in the afternoon. He is there in front of his, whiz, his window and he prays. Three times a day, he prayed. In verse 10 of Daniel 6, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. It was nothing new. He didn't do it, oh, well, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buck the system. No, he did this every single day before. Why change? He prayed. So if you want to, to learn how to pray, if, if you want to have that prayer life that the Bible talks to us about, can I tell you the first thing you need to do? The first thing is you need to regularly schedule prayer times in your life. 
And I think morning, noon, and afternoon or before bed, I spend my first 30 minutes a day in prayer. After that, I, I may or may not, God, just being honest with you, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes I don't, but then I spend the next 30 minutes to an hour every night in prayer. That's what we need. We need to have those regularly scheduled times. Number two, if you want to pray without ceasing, if you want to be in constant prayer, find someone to help you be accountable. Or find a way to hold yourself accountable like I did. But you need to be held accountable. How's your prayer life? I have two men in my life. I haven't talked to them in a couple of months now. But either of these two men at any point, at any time can call me and ask me about anything and I have to be honest. We need those people in our lives to hold us accountable. Depend on God. I mean, after all, everything we have, everything of who we are, everything that we do, all of it comes from him anyway, so why not acknowledge that and be dependent on him and everything? And the best way to do that is through our prayer time. So you want to pray without ceasing? Just start doing it. Every single time the thought of God or maybe God has put someone on your heart. You know, three times this morning, someone come to me and said, hey, will you pray for? And we stopped right there and we prayed for. Pray without ceasing. And maybe you're driving home today and God put somebody on your heart. Listen, call them, pray, pray for them, whatever the case may be. But it's something that we just have to practice. Can I give you a, a little quick story and I'm done. When we were on our mission trip a couple of weeks ago, we were trying to put this window in and it was not cooperating. For almost an hour or more, we were trying to put this window in. We had to chip out brick. The window wasn't made the same as the old, the old window. It was just... And we were to the point, there's three of us working on it, and we were to the point where we were so over over again. And I said, guys, before we do that, let's just stop and pray. And when I said that, the gentleman uh, on the outside, he was on a ladder, and without cue, he just started praying, and he prayed about a 15-second prayer. And he said, all right, let's try it again. And, and, and I had this block of wood and a hammer that we had been trying to be, and you can't hit it very hard because you're gonna break the glass, right? So I'm trying to be as gentle as possible. And I have beat on this thing for 20 minutes and it has not budged. And I said, guys, let's stop and have a word of prayer. He says a 15 second prayer. And I promise you two taps and it popped right into place. And then this guy being a smart like, oh, never mind, God, we don't need you. That's what it means to be constant in prayer. Even in though everything in your life, putting a stupid window in, we take everything to God. And it was a short 10 or 15 second prayer. And he answered it. And we acknowledged it. If you want 
to have the prayer life that God wants you to have, it starts right here. It starts in that relationship with him. It, it, it starts with you loving him with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, as Jesus tells us. And if you love God that way, you think about that person you love most on this earth and how you want to be with that person and you want to talk to that person and you want to spend time with that person. Well, make God that person. And you'll learn how to pray without ceasing. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you that we can come into your house, we can worship you. And we thank you, Father, that we don't have to be in this building to pray to you. We don't have to be on our knees. We don't have to be in a closet. We don't have to be doing anything except in our hearts and in our minds and even with our voice, we can talk to you anytime, anywhere, any place. And I pray, God, that we would be constant in prayer. that we would be accountable to you, Father, to pray without ceasing. And Father, I know this morning's message wasn't about the gospel, wasn't about giving your heart to Jesus. But maybe there's someone here this morning, God, that you've been talking to. And maybe they just need to come and say, Brother David, God's been dealing with me and I just want to talk to you about it. Let me tell you, I'd be so honored. Maybe, Father, there's some of us in this room, we need to practice our prayer lives. Whatever you're doing, we just ask that you continue to do, to move, to work in our hearts this morning. Let us be people you'd be proud of in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand together and sing.